You're listening to the podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer, with Valerie Koo and Allison Tate. Valerie is an author, journalist, and national director of the Australian Writers' Centre, which is one of the world's leading providers of online and classroom courses for people who want to get published and write with confidence. Alison Tate is a freelance writer, blogger, and author of the best-selling series The Mapmaker Chronicles. She has more than 20 years' professional writing experience. Each week they explore the world of writing, publishing and blogging to bring you news and opportunities, advice on how to succeed in the world of writing, interviews with top writers and much more. With students enrolling from all over the world, you can find out more about the Australian Writer Centre at writercentre.com.au. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 153 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Alison Tate. How are you, Al? I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> Just <laughs> about that. I'm okay. I think, are you, you know, it, no, go I'm on. In, no, I'm just, I'm in the fair to middling range. Fair to middling. Life experience okay. right now, yeah. What about all you? Right. Oh, yeah, I'm excited to be doing this mini-sode. So, of course, um, episode 153 is our mini-sode, which is what we slot in in between our regular programming. So we have our usual weekly episode, but uh, because we've had some feedback from people saying that they can't wait till the next one drops, we've decided to include these mini-sodes, which is where we in, we answer a lot of listener questions. We do. Uh, yeah. So this particular mini-sode, we first want to give a shout-out to Never End. Now, Never End left us a review on iTunes uh, and <laughs> has called it, I hope it never ends. <laughs> and Never End says, the most helpful thing you can do for your writing career with minimal effort. It's the perfect car companion for writers with a day job. It eases me in every morning and revamps my motivation every afternoon. Oh, good things we do these minisodes so that we can keep up, huh? Yeah, um, that's right. It, it's a great way to stay connected with the industry and gives helpful practical advice for writers who have zero hours under their belt to writers who have a lifetime. There's always something new to learn and I love the humour injected into each episode as well. I hope recording of these gems never ends. But even if they do, I will listen to the backlog on repeat as there is always something new to glean from each episode. Thank you very much for creating a great podcast. Speaking of day jobs, I better get ready for mine. Thankfully, I have my trusty podcast to listen to on the commute. Wow. Goodness me. Goodness. Thank you so much, Thank Never Ends. Thank you end. so much, yeah. Wow. I just, I'd just also like to have a little quick shout out to – I think it was not last episode, but the episode before we asked people to let us know because um, somebody, I think it was Joanna, had said that we helped her with her baking, baking if you yeah. remember, yeah. Um, and we asked people to get back to us about what else we did with them because, of course, <laughs> you and I are very busy out there doing all sorts of things with people. Obviously, we're driving in the car with um, with Never End, but yes. we also, in the last week or so, we have been running, we have been walking. Right. We have been wow. to the gym wow. and Valerie, are you ready for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got a, a message from Catherine, Fla I don't know if it's Flaherty or Flaherty, so my apologies mm. if, I spe if I got that wrong. Um, I just listened to Ep 150, this is via Twitter. I listen yeah. to you as I'm driving my truck or making fairy floss, which was <laughs> today's sticky job. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we make fairy floors, which I just think wow. is fantastic. So Catherine, thank you very much for allowing us to share your fairy floss moment with you. Oh. I, I'd never imagine myself doing I always, you know, when you're a kid and you watch it go on the stick and you're oh, like, oh, I love That's fairy the coolest floss. job ever. Well, yeah. Catherine's yeah. out there doing it as we speak. That is so cool. I love fairy floss, but I love how there's, you know, running and walking and going to the gym. I'm surprised I haven't lost more weight. I know. I, <laughs> I just like said exactly the same thing. I was like, we should be so fit, Val. We do no, so no, many we things should. every week. Yeah, so look, if you know, if you've got something equally interesting like fairy flossing or baking or walking or running or driving trucks or whatever that we do with you, please let us know via social media because we do like to vicariously live as many lives yes. as we possibly can. <laughs> really would love to know. Really would love to know. Or Instagram us and, and, and Instagram yeah, where you yeah. are as you're listening to the podcast and, yes, uh, and tag us. We would love to know. All right. Well, I have a daily ritual that I want to share with you. I'm no? ready. Yes. Now, this is Jane Austen. We're all familiar with Jane Austen, aren't we? So, yeah. Yes. We probably introduced to her at school and there are still some Jane Austen devotees even outside of school. Um, so this is from Mason Curry's book again. I really like it. And Jane Austen lived with her family in England with her mother, her sister, a close friend and three servants. <laughs> And they would often get visitors as well. Now, this is how this was her routine for the day. She rose early before everyone else was up and are you ready for this? Played the piano. I'm like, if everyone else is asleep, do you really think playing the piano is the smartest thing to be doing? She probably lived in one of those huge English houses, so have you seen them? Like they re- no, that noise reverberates, that it's noise like a travels. Center, some of them. Like you could be yeah. at the other end of the house and no one would even know you were there. Seriously, that noise travels. All it's right. like, okay. yeah. Like she's so, playing the piano. Excellent. Yeah, she plays the piano. At nine o'clock in the morning, she organized the family breakfast, which was her one major piece of household work. So that was her main contribution to the household. And then she settled down to write in the sitting room, often with her mother and sister sewing nearby. But if visitors showed up, she would stop the writing and she would pick up her sewing. I guess you just sewed while visitors <laughs> visited. Um, and then dinner, which is the main meal of the day, was between three and four. Afterwards, there was conversation, card games, tea and tea. And in the evening, that's when she would read aloud her work in progress to her family. Yeah, and her family was actually really supportive and respectful of her work and um, encouraged her, well, you know, fit around her to do these things with her sister, Cassandra, shouldering the bulk of the, you know, running of the house because all Jane had to do was breakfast, like, you know, some whack on some toast and well, some she tea. she didn't even do it. She just organised it. Yeah, she that's right. Like <laughs> that's that that's true. She had servants. That's, so all she had to do was decide if they were having kimmies that day or not. Yeah, that's right. And go breakfast, everyone. And so Cassandra did most of the other organising then, the sister, because Jane said, composition seems to me impossible with a head full of joints of mutton and doses of rhubarb. <laughs> I feel exactly the same way, Jane. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I have joints of muffin and Vegemite sandwiches in my mind. It's impossible <laughs> to actually write anything. Yes, or like me, two pieces of peanut butter toast this morning. All right. <laughs> so, 
Let's move on to our listener questions for this week. Now, of course, if you have a question you would like us to answer, then email us podcast at writerscentre.com.au. So podcast at writerscentre.com.au and we would love to answer your listener question and hopefully it's about writing or publishing. All right. We ready for our first one? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's from Kate. Now, Kate has said, Hi, Alan Val. Firstly, I love your new mini podcast where you answer listener questions. All right. My question relates to agents, particularly in the Australian environment. I've recently signed my first book contract. Yay! Well done. Well done, Kate. And negotiated the contract myself after getting third-party advice. I found the process to be quite stressful, although I do feel a bit really just a bit better equipped at the end of it than I did at the beginning to tackle the process again in the future. I'm in the position where I've had some interest in uh, some of my other manuscripts and am hopeful of being able to land another contract without needing an agent. However, I'm wondering whether there are greater virtues to having an agent over and above simply bypassing the slush pile. For example, will they be able to negotiate a better deal for me or is their expertise valuable in other ways? Will they help in some way with promoting my book, building my profile among publishers, strategically placing me in the market or getting movie rights? In your opinion, is an agent worth the 15% that they charge, particularly where signs are positive for being able to get publisher interest without an agent? Oh, well, there you go. That's a, that's, that's a good question. It is a good question. It's also a fairly complicated question in some ways. Yes. Um, what are your, let's go with you first. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I I'm think gonna, that it's I'm going to throw it to you first because I think you'll cover the <laughs> Well, it's better than I will. I think that it depends on your book and the kind of author you want to be. Now, obviously, you you have managed to get a publisher without an agent, and that's great. I think that if your book has um, global potential, uh, as opposed to, say, a book that's, um, you know, how to get into the Australian property market, mm. right? That's yep. really Australian. Yep. But if your book has global potential, so it's fiction or it's some other nonfiction book that has global potential, then I think an agent can certainly be very useful in terms of getting um, overseas interest. I'm not necessarily sure if you're a good negotiator, I'm not necessarily sure that the agent will necessarily get you a better deal in terms of the percent you get and stuff like that, Mm. but they will probably get you more opportunities. Mm. So, yeah, I I, I don't think there's a lot of wiggle room in terms of what you're going to get in terms of a royalty. I mean, there can be a tiny bit, but if you're a good negotiator, you can negotiate that anyway. But I do believe that they can get you more opportunities like you've identified, like movie deals, um, uh, um, uh, you know, overseas rights. Um, They're meant to build your profile among publishers. I don't think they're going to be particularly that useful in promoting your book because that's not necessarily their job, no. especially if you know how to promote your book. You, they'll pretty much leave it to you and or the yep. publisher. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, it, it, it depends on your goals and, and your, your particular book. What okay. have you got to add to that, Al? Well, I think that your point about it depending on your goals is really, really important because yeah. if you're 
there's two two parts to this. You've already signed a contract, so you need to have a look at your contract and say and see whether or not the contract that you've signed um, has a clause in it that says that you, the publisher that you're with gets first dibs on whatever your next book is because yeah. that's often the case. There will be a clause in there that says that. If that's the case, an agent at this point can't really do that much for you because that first, that next book, that next manuscript that you write has to go back to whatever publisher you've already signed with. Depending mm. on the deal that you've signed there as well, um, you if you've signed your if you've signed world rights deal to that publisher, then you don't have foreign rights, audio rights or movie rights to negotiate with at this point. So, these these are all things that you need to look at in your initial contract. Publishing contracts in the Australian market are fairly standard, like they're fairly mm. similar. Um, they need uh, – you obviously need to read them carefully and, and do all of that sort of stuff. But mostly, you know, you're not – for, for most people, particularly if it's a first novel or a second novel, you're not dealing with massive advances. Um, most of the clauses within that contract are going to be similar, particularly if you're signing the whole lot over to the publisher, which is what you need to think about. Where an agent can help you is with that with the sort of the next contract that you sign is that decision of is this publisher going to do anything with your foreign rights? If that publisher is not going to do anything with your foreign rights, then do you hold them out of the contract, in which case the agent will then attempt to sell them, you know, on your behalf elsewhere. Same with the movie rights, same with the audiobook rights. So there's lots of different rights covered in a publishing contract and mm. the decision is whether or not those are in or out. So that's where an agent can help you. Now, when it comes down to your goal, you need to realise that all agents are not the same. Some agents are really sort of editorial agents and they are people who will – go through your manuscripts with you who will make sure that your manuscript, that the next manuscript that you send to the publisher is is the best possible manuscript to follow on from the last one that you did, et cetera, et cetera. So those, those agents are going to mm. read everything you do. They're going to give you editorial feedback. They're going to help you with that process, that end of things. Then there are agents who are specifically and will state up front that they are a business agent. What they are about is trying to get you a better deal, trying to sell your foreign rights, trying to sell – like your other agent will also do that, but they're looking at building your career on an editorial basis as mm. well, whereas a straight business agent is going to be like, you know, that was a terrible contract you signed last time, we're going to do better this time, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And depending on where you are in your career – is is depends on the kind of agent that you need. Um, so that's mm. that's a decision you need to make. All agents are not the same. The other thing that you need to look at when you and like as I said, this is a complicated question. The other thing that you need to look at with an agent is, um, I think there's a there's a sense of you know that you've, you're very lucky to be taken on by an agent, and you are. I don't don't doubt me on that at all. But you have to remember that you're this is a a contract that you're signing for someone to represent you. So. Mm. You're not working for them. They're actually working for you, you know, when it comes right down to it. So, yeah. you have to make sure that the person that is representing you is the right fit for you because Absolutely. you don't want to be in a situation where you're scared of your agent or you're worried or you don't feel confident or any of those sorts of things. You've got to make sure that that relationship is a really good, strong, solid relationship. So, it's the kind of thing where you need to have a look at the agents who are out there, have a look at the work they're representing, look at the way that they, they, they – like most of them have really solid websites. 
and they have blogs and they have all sorts of things where you can see um, what they're doing, the kind of work that they like, whether or not you might be a good fit with them or not. Mm. Um, and these are all questions that you need to consider before you sign up as well. Yeah, absolutely. And to get a really good, well-rounded um, view of all of the things you need to know in terms of rights, uh, then have a look at the course called Inside Publishing at the Australian Writers' Centre. It is a self-study on-demand course that's available online. And um, you can find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash publishing. I think that one would be ideal for you, Kate. In fact, someone was saying in the Build Your Author Platform Facebook group the other day that they've recently done the course and they've just learned so much more than they that they ever knew. You know, it, it's not overwhelming though. It's just stuff that you need to know as authors and not enough authors bother. So I encourage you to do that course so that at least you can make the right decisions, even if you do your own negotiating. All right. Let's move on to Kat. So we've had Kate, now we've got Kat, uh-huh. um, who has said, Hi, Val and Al, absolutely love the podcast. I've been listening for almost a year now and it has become my weekly, now bi-weekly, highlight on my commute to work. I've recently finished my first novel, which I had only told a few friends, a very supportive writing group and my partner about. My problem now, as I start thinking about approaching publishers, is the reaction of a wider group of friends, colleagues and family. You see, I've written a young adult book and I found many people feel like this isn't real writing. In general, reactions have been a bit on the patronising side, like, Oh, it's just a story for children. It's not like you're a real author. It makes Did it very hard. Did you hear my sharp intake of breath there? Did you hear my sharp intake of breath there? Anyway, I could keep feel going. it. I heard mm. it and felt it both. Righto. Um, it makes it very hard to promote my story when I feel like it's not going to be taken seriously just because it's not highbrow literature. My question is, how do you respond to people who think that young adult and children's books aren't real books? How do you remain confident in your work when people tell you your genre is a waste of time? Oh, my God. Okay. Cat. Jeez, Cat. That's a really great question and an interesting dilemma to be in. And number one, congratulations for finishing your first yes. novel. That well is done. so good. I well mean, done. Very few people even get to that stage. So absolutely well done for finishing your first novel. So this is an interesting one, Al. So since you threw to me last time, I'm going to throw to you. <laughs> See that dead silence right there? Well, look, you know what? I, I'm so cross on your behalf, Kat, yeah. that people ha- have said this to you for starters because, you know, you've, you've written a novel and I don't know how many of them have written a novel of any kind. Um, yeah. The fact that they're saying that it's just a story for children, I mean, you know, I could quote many, many children's authors. There's a great um, quote out there and I can't remember whose it is that says, you know, if, it, if a story is too complicated and too, um, too difficult, um, write it for children because that's, that's where the story needs to, needs to go. Um, and if you read children's fiction or YA fiction on any level, you'll see that it's some of the most interesting. YA is not a genre. Like it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a section of the market and it covers the broadest range of different types of literature within the YA, um, within the YA market. And, you know, some of it is as highbrow as anything you'll ever read and some of it is genre and it's, you know, crime or it's romance or it's any of those things, just like any other section of the market. 
I'd also like to point out at this point, and this is probably going to be my final word on it because, mm-hmm. you know, like I write for children and I had someone say to me once, you know, when are you going to start writing for adults? And I'm like, probably, mm. you know. I, I mean, I do write for adults as well. It's I write lots of different things and I think that um, – but one of those things is not better than or worse than the other thing. It's it's just – it's what you write. What you write is what you write. And I think yeah. um, it's really worth noting that at the moment in particular, the children's and YA end of the publishing market are mm. supporting everything. It's going That's, off. Going the, off. They're the it's most popular books. They yeah. are the most popular books in the market. They yep, are supporting selling. many, many adult books. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a, a value. You could become some child or some teenager's favourite author. You could be the person that they are talking mm. about when they're 30. You yeah. could write the book that makes them go, I'm going to give this to my kids. Yeah. And I just how, – how is that not a valuable thing? I don't understand that. Yeah. And some of the best, you know, most the books with the most longevity are young adult novels. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, whether you like Harry Potter or not, it's a young adult. Um, the Book Thief, uh, Charlotte's Web, um, The Outsiders from, you know, my youth. To Kill a Mockingbird is essentially, you know, that kind of novel. The Diary of Anne Frank's essentially that kind of novel. It's just uh, – you, you, those people are nuts. <laughs> yeah. But- I think what you do when someone says, oh, it's just a story for children, it's not like you're a real author. You just do what I do, which is just to smile and change the subject because really that opinion is not worth discussing. Yeah. So if I would say I would definitely take Alison's approach if they're, um, you know, acquaintances or people you meet at the barbecue. If they're actually your friends, then you can explain to them that these are the bestsellers at the moment. These are the, mm. these are the books that are actually working right now and cite some of the successful books to them. If they still retain that attitude, I would question whether you need some new friends because <laughs> – Valerie. <laughs> oh, like I'm serious. Yeah. And in answer to your question, how do you remain confident in your work when people tell you your genre is a waste of time? Hang around other people. I'm not yeah. saying necessarily you ditch the other ones unless I've already unless you follow the other steps that I've just mentioned. You know, <laughs> and give them a chance, which is give them a chance first, explain yeah. it to them. Because yeah. maybe they don't know and that's fine. And if they still have sing that tune, then then ditch them. Yeah. But Hang Talk around with people who are going to be supportive. Yeah, hang around other authors of of who who get it. You know, you need to be spending your time with people who build your confidence, not people who don't build your confidence. It's That's as simple right. as that. Yeah. It's just nuts. I'm yeah. cranky too. Cranky, mm. and let's just focus on the fact that you have finished your first novel, and yes. you, my friend, are a real author right there. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, the fact that you are a young adult author too, well, you're a middle grade fiction author, um, wh- wh- give us an update, Al. When's, what's happening with, with the fourth book in the Mapmaker Chronicles series? Oh, well. Um, Where are you up to? Well, I'm so I'm excited. Hoping, I know. Well, I'm sort of hoping to have um, proofs. Uh, so, sorry, oh. you know, first copies very soon. So the book's out on the 28th of March. Um, I've got a bit of a new – if you go and visit alisontate.com this week, you'll mm. discover that I've had a bit of a revamp of my homepage to reflect the fact that the new book um, is coming. Um, and I, I really love it. Kelly Exeter, who is a fabulous and amazing friend of mine, has just done a little tweak of the homepage just to kind of focus – 
um, the attention on the books at the oh, moment. Oh, I see it. Yes, I know. It and I look great. at it. I look like a real author. <laughs> I love that cover. I love it so much. I know it's fantastic, it's isn't so it? So good. yeah, it's, it's very really exciting, good. and um, it's I'm just getting to the point now where I've got all the. Um, you know, all the good stuff is, is coming because the launch is happening and so all the hard work starts to pay off when you put the book out there and, and you know, hope for the best. Yeah, fantastic. Well, 28th of March, very exciting, but you can pre-order now. You can pre-order now and I would love you to pre-order now if you could. Yeah, fantastic. All right, so go to – where do we find you online there now? So you'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. Um, you'll find me on Twitter at, at Al Tate, A-L-T-A-I-T, and you will find me on Facebook and Instagram at Alison Tate Writer. Awesome. And you, and and you. Well, we, we would love to connect with you. So you can find me, Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and uh, also on Facebook. So just search for Valerie Koo in Sydney on Facebook. And we would love to hear from you. And if you do have a question you would like us to answer in the podcast, then email us podcast at writercenter.com.au. In the meantime, if you can also look at the questions that we referred to today in the show notes at so you want to be a writer.com.au. Thanks for listening everyone and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.